Let's pray first. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? <coughs> Father, we thank you this morning that your word brings life. Lord, we thank you that if it was not for your word, Lord, we would not have authority in our lives. We would not have your guidance. We would not have wisdom. We would not have knowledge. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take every word that we share this morning and that you would make it tangible for each one of us as we need to hear from you this morning. Lord, we thank you that you've got a word for each and every person in this room today. There is something that you want to speak to us that will change our lives, that will bring impact, that will move and shift something in our lives today. And so I pray that you would have your way among us today. Speak through me. Lord, only speak what you want to speak. We want to hear from you. You are our king. You are our authority. And we believe your word in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. <laughs> so I'm just going to give this to Johannes to maybe give to Jessica later or to Sam. Um, so who was here two weeks ago when we spoke about faith? Two Sundays ago, we spoke about faith. Job brought a message, and Johannes touched on it last week as well. But if you've been here, I think we repeat this every single week, but if you've been here for the last six months at least, in the beginning of this year, Johannes also brought a word for our church for the year. He brought three words. And he said, our focus this year, he felt from the Lord, was going to be on faith, focus, and trust. Who remembers that? Faith, focus, and trust. And so... This idea of faith and this idea of growing in our faith has really been stirred in my own heart again in the last six months. And particularly when Jock spoke the word two weeks ago and he spoke that scripture. His title was The Faith That Can Move Mountains. I almost forgot what the title was. The Faith That Can Move Mountains. And something stirred afresh in my heart again. And I felt the Lord remind me of a powerful spiritual discipline that I've even neglected in my own life. And the Lord said to me, this is a key if we as a church wants to see our faith grow, if we want to see our faith accomplish something. Because who knows, it's great to have faith and I believe, but what do I do with that faith? I mean, faith has to be activated. Faith has to actually accomplish something. When the world looks at us as believers, do they see people who confess something but nothing happens in their lives? Or do they see powerful people? We are supposed to look like powerful people to the world. Not to take glory for ourselves, but to bring glory to the King that we serve. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Alright, and so I believe that, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible. To please God. It's impossible to please God. Because faith is the currency of heaven. You know that if you travel to a foreign country, I've tried taking my rands to Europe, for example. Zero value. Amen. Zero value now that we get to travel again, now that becomes reality for us again. And even when I go to South Africa, when I come here, I can use the rands. When I go there, I can't use the Namibian dollar even. It has no value. Every country has a currency. Our country is the kingdom. The kingdom has a currency. The currency is faith. 
And so if you and I want to exchange in the currency of heaven and we want to receive from the Lord, best we have faith in our wallet. Active faith that we can actually see heaven open over us. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. That's where I want to grow. I want to see my faith accomplish something in my life that can bring glory to the Lord. That people can believe I don't serve a dead God and I'm not part of some religion or sect. But I serve the living God. I serve Jesus Christ, the King of all kings. Amen. And so I believe this is a huge, what I want to share today, this, I said to you, I've been studying this week. I've been in this particular passage all week. I've gone back and forth and back and forth and journeying and wrestling with the Holy Spirit to see, Lord, is there more in this? And I'm telling you, I even started preaching to the volunteers this morning. And I realized, okay, it's just a volunteer meeting. We just normally pray for the service. It's not the time for me to preach the word. But again, there is something in my spirit that says, if we can just grasp this, if we can just take this key, it will unlock so many miracles in our lives. We will be astounded. I'm going to use the word marvel all morning. Who knows what marvel means? I feel like it's such an old English, is it the King James word key? Marvel. It means to be astounded. In Afrikaans, verstom. Uit die veld geslaan. Wow. Amen. Wow. Let's get into the word before I get carried away. Alright, if you've got your Bibles, it's always a good idea to bring your Bible. Or if you don't have a physical Bible, we've got you covered on U version. When you go into your app store, you can look for at version, it's a Bible app, and in there, when you go under events, every single week we will have the scriptures in there. I take the time to do that on Saturdays because I like to follow along when someone's preaching. And there's a bit of a guessing, eh? Alright, so you can have a look in there, but we're going to turn to the book of Matthew. It's the first gospel in the New Testament. Matthew 8, verse 5 to 13, and it's a little bit of a longer piece, but I want to read the entire story. Because there is so much in here that I think is going to marvel you. It's going to wow you. It's going to blow you away. All right. It says the following. I hope you guys can see. All right. It says that when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And this is where I want us to pay real close attention. Listen to this. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word. Everyone say, just say the word. From where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. The other translation says, he marveled. The Afrikaans Imagine Jesus standing in front of us, and I wow. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. 
I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. Because you have believed, it has happened. Because you have believed, oh sorry, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Another translation said, he was healed immediately. Who thinks that's a wow story? Just you honest, or something. It's profound. And I said, Johannes, there is, there is so much in this scripture, if we go and study, if we go and read between the lines, what Jesus was saying, why he marveled, and I believe this is a key that is going to unlock miracles in our lives. It's going to unlock the way that we live our lives if we can apply what we are learning in this passage. My first point is this, Jesus marveled, they call him the centurion, this Roman soldier. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. That Greek word for marveled or admire means to admire, to be amazed, to be wow, verwondert or verstoppen. And you know that there's only two times in scripture that it is recorded where Jesus marveled. Only two times. Normally, if you read the gospels, you'll see a lot of times, depending on the translation that you're reading, many times as Jesus was doing miracles, as Jesus was teaching, it says that the crowds marveled at Jesus. They were astounded by his miracles. They were astounded by the words that he was bringing, by the teaching he was bringing, the authority by which he was preaching. They didn't understand how a man that they saw in Jesus, in the flesh, could operate that way. But twice it says that Jesus marveled at people. The first one was the centurion, he marveled at his faith. But the second time was when Jesus marveled at the unbelief of the Jewish people. And I find it interesting that there is such a contrast between his two moments of amazement. One was faith. And one was unbelief. And I want to read you this story just to give us some context. Mark 6 verse 1 to 6. And I, I've done this in the Amplified for a reason. So if you read, this is the account where Jesus marveled at the unbelief. And it says, Jesus left there and came to his hometown of Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. So just to give some context... In these passages, and if you study the Gospels, you'll notice Jesus was always comparing the Jews and the Gentiles. Remember that the Jewish people considered themselves to be Jesus' people. Not necessarily Jesus, but they believed that they were God's chosen nation. And God did choose them. But they were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for, their expectation was an earthly king. But there were many Gentiles, like the centurion was a Gentile, he was not a Jew. And so this is something to keep in mind. So Jesus went back to his hometown of, of Nazareth with a lot of Jewish people, a Jewish audience. And then he went to the synagogue, which is where the Jewish people would gather like this. And they would listen to the word being taught. And verse 
Next. And many who listened to him, these were Jewish people, were astonished. Again, marvel, saying, where did this man get these things? This knowledge and spiritual insight. What is this wisdom, this confident understanding of the scripture that has been given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Now listen to this. They go from being astonished right down to a spirit of familiarity. And they go, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary. Now, interesting, in Jewish culture, if you refer to someone as the son of the mother and not the son of Joseph, the father, it was actually an insult. It was saying that I think very little of you. That's why I'm calling you the son of Mary, not the son of Joseph. Is this not the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Uh, Simon? And are his sisters not here with us? Next verse. And they were deeply offended by him. And their disapproval blinded them to the fact that he was anointed by God as the Messiah. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor or respect, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do a miracle there at all because of their unbelief, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered slash marveled at their unbelief. Isn't that also an interesting story? Two accounts. Marveled at the faith of a Gentile believer who was not born as part of the chosen nation of Israel. Yet he, his eyes, his spiritual insight could see this is the Messiah. He could recognize the authority of the king, but he wasn't a Jew. But then Jesus' own people the Jews who had all the promises, they had all the teachings of the Torah. They grew up with all of this. Jesus' authority displayed to them, his teaching, his words that bring life in their face. And the Bible says, it deeply, he deeply offended them. <coughs> I find that very, very interesting. You know, there's a, there's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Do you know the word contempt? There's another translation that says that these people, the Jewish, his own people, developed contempt towards him. Contempt in Afrikaans, I had to go Google to make sure I understand correctly contempt. Contempt means minachten. It means I actually think nothing of you. Familiarity breeds contempt. And a spirit of familiarity, not recognizing who this is, and we can in today's day, we can actually develop a spirit of familiarity. It will blind us. It will blind us to the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And it will cause our hearts to get calloused and hard and lead us to a place of unbelief. If we do not keep watch over our hearts, if we do not keep a watch over what goes on inside of us, faith is the currency in heaven. It attracts God. It attracts the King like who said this morning, like mosquitoes to a light. Okay, faith attracts an open heaven over us. Unbelief pushes it away. Unbelief closes up heaven 
over us. And it's so easy to get there when we allow familiarity to come into play. And familiarity means it can be something as simple as, maybe I don't want that person to pray for me, I want only that person to pray for me. I can become so familiar with those that I know that I don't even recognize the power of God at work in them. These people grew up with Jesus. They saw him, the carpenter's son, and even though they saw the miracles in front of them, they had the revelation right here in front of them, they couldn't grasp it because they were too familiar. And so I believe that's actually point number two, is don't ever let a spirit of familiarity get in the way of our faith. And even when we come on a Sunday, we can become familiar with the routine. We can become familiar with the things that we do. We can become familiar with the people that we serve. We can become familiar with Johannes, familiar with whoever the Lord puts on our path, familiar in our own devotional time. And as I was preparing, I said, Lord, please erase my heart in this. Help me to never become familiar. We are here every single Sunday. But I need to come every single Sunday expecting the Lord to do something fresh, to do something new. Because as Johannes always says, he's the God of new things. Amen. And so the irony for me is that the Jews believed that they were God's people, yet the very Messiah they were waiting for, they couldn't recognize. I just think, I wonder, in Jesus' heart, I'm thinking to myself, he knew all things before he came, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm not like, I want to. Like, if that I wanted, you know? But that's my own human heart, that's not the king we serve. Like, some Jesus, what if that I wanted, then start the gnashing of teeth, don't hurt you. But that's not the king we serve. And so, they could recognize the wisdom, but what happened, they blatantly refused his authority. Whereas the centurion responded to Jesus' authority. And that, I believe, is one of the keys in our faith, is that word authority. And we're going to talk about this for two weeks, and I'm not going to go too deep in authority, and I think we should unpack that next week. But because they rejected his authority, the fact that he was sent and anointed by God to be the Son of God, to be the Messiah, to be the Savior, they rejected the power of his words. They rejected that very thing that could set them free. But what did the centurion do? He responded to the authority. And because he recognized the authority of Jesus Christ, he recognized the authority of his word. When he recognized the authority of his word, he could believe that that word could release power. Are you following me this morning? I sat with this thing and I said, Lord, please make it clear to me. And I believe, I said, Johannes, a few times, can you believe it? This is the answer. It's recognizing the authority of Jesus that will release a key in our lives. What does it mean to recognize the authority of Jesus? It means I must believe that he is who he says he is. And I know we sing the songs and we, Jesus, your name is power. It's a lucky anthem to sing. But do I believe it? Because if I believe that his name is power, if I believe he is the son of God, if he is 
Jesus Christ, the King of all kings, then I will live my life in a way that reflects it. Then if I recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, then I will recognize that these are his words. And if I recognize the authority of scripture, then I will believe that the scripture has power. And if I believe that the scripture has power, then I will use it to activate faith in my life and I will see the miraculous in my life. And so this morning I want to speak about this thing of recognizing the authority of Christ through his word. Because the Bible says in John 1, 1, that Jesus is the word. The Bible says also in John, I think, that the words contained in this book are spirit and they are life. In other words, what happens when I agree with words that are spirit and are life? I believe that they can release power in my life. Amen? But is belief enough? Or do I need to activate it? I believe there's an activation. Because lots of people believe, but they don't apply. Lots of people believe the stories. I grew up in a traditional church. I believed the stories, but I had no power in my life. Because I did not apply the word of God to my life. You can't just believe in your heart. You have to also confess. Romans 10, 9, 19, 9, 19. It says this. That as with my, unto my heart I believe, but with my mouth I confess. That word confess in the Greek means to come into agreement with, to speak out, to verbalize. It has to, don't clunk, yes. It has to be spoken. And so that's what I actually want to talk about today, is the power of speaking the word of God into my life. Is anyone excited about that this morning, or is it just me? Church, I honestly believe with every part of my being, if we get this, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. It'll change your body. It'll change your thoughts. It'll change your heart. It'll change your circumstances. It'll change this church. It'll change this nation. Jesus did not die for us to be powerless and pitiful. He died for us to be powerful, not because of our own power, but because of His power, because of His authority, because of His words. Amen? I've totally lost my point. But I think that was it. Okay, number two. Second point, third point. I don't know where we are. What do we know about the centurion? What do we know about the centurion? He was obviously, as the Bible says, a Roman soldier. And that word centurion, century, means over a hundred people. And some scholars say that he was such a well-known and advanced in his uh, ranks, I guess, um, that he was possibly over many more than just a hundred soldiers. He was an official of quite a high rank, and in those times when they were under Roman rule, who knows that the Romans were hated? They were not popular people. But what we also know is that in Luke, there's the same account where Luke also writes the same as Matthew. And he writes about the centurion who came to Jesus. And he says that the Jewish people who served under this man, he was a Gentile man, actually came to Jesus and also said to him that you've got to help this guy. You've got to come and heal his servant. 
because he built us a synagogue. So he was a generous man. He was a Roman soldier who built out of his own money, so he was clearly wealthy. He built the Jews a synagogue. There wasn't usually a great relationship between these two groups of people. And clearly also, the Bible calls this son of his a slave. It was one of his you know, slaves, I guess someone who worked for him. In those uh, days, in that culture, they weren't necessarily even paid. You had someone at your house working for you, they weren't ever paid. And if they were sick, I mean, who would care? They would literally just get rid of him and there would be someone else tomorrow that can come and do the work. This guy had enough of a heart and clearly believed in Jesus, believed in his authority, believed in his power to heal, that he would take the time to intercede for a slave that normally they would not even care for. So it says to me something about the heart of this centurion, the heart of this guy. But what was the key? Jesus did not marvel because he was generous and he was awesome and he had a lovely heart and he was compassionate. I guess that too, you know, obviously the Lord loves that. But I believe that what was the key for Jesus marveling at his faith? It was because he understood authority. He understood this very, very simple idea of authority. And it's so simple that we miss it. It's so simple that we forget how simple it is. We want to make faith so complicated. Can I just show of hands who, who was in the army? Wie was in die Wehrmacht? Drie, vier. Okay? So, if you were in the military, again, I know nothing of this, but I always ask Johannes for military advice. He's very passionate about the army and soldiers and authority and different things like that. What? Skopskietenspoog. <laughs> okay, so how does it work in the army? When, when you are in the army, there is an obvious chain of command. Amen? Would everyone agree? In the army, when you are a lieutenant or a lieutenant, a centurion, captain, general. Okay, when you are in a position of one of those kind of things, let's call it a lieutenant, okay, a general, captain, Spanish sailor, then when you speak a word, when you give a command, do people have the time to negotiate with you? To say, oh no, we're not sure, I don't know if we should go to that enemy line, wada wada wada. Who knows, when you're in the military, when you give a command, it has to happen. I mean, the way I understand it, there's no two ways about it. It's the same as who has children. When you, who's ever said to their children, what if my frau come do net what I say? I remember this from my mother, and I am, for a long time, haven't been in her house. <laughs> There's no time to reason. There's no time to ask questions. Because why? In the military, and maybe also in your home, you could die in the time that you start to ask questions. There's no time to reason. There's no time to negotiate. When that general or your mother says, go, you need to go. If you know what's good for you. But seriously, in the army, Johanna said, you could, use, you could lose your life. You have to trust that that person above you in authority has been placed there, and if they make a wrong decision, 
It's up to someone else. It's not up to you. All you have to do is you have to go obey in the moment. And that's what this guy said to Jesus. I know that you are in authority. Amen. And because you are a man of authority, that means your subject, whoever you are speaking to when you give a command, has to obey. The same way I am a centurion, when I tell my people go, they have to go. And also for interest's sake, I did a lot of uh, research on this and read a lot of different commentaries. In those days, if you disobeyed the centurion, he could just kill you. And then they move on to the next. You could lose your life. There was no time to reason. There was no time to, well, when you say go, do you mean uh, five steps in this direction? Can you give me another confirmation? Can you just give me another second word so I can? No. When I say go, you go. When I say stop, you stop. And this guy understood authority. And that's why Jesus marveled. Because Jesus said, you understand something that my own people don't even get. When Jesus speaks to sickness, sickness has to bow. When Jesus releases his word of authority given to him by his authority, the Father, it has to obey. And I believe that is the key for us this morning. If we can understand that same authority that Jesus has, he has given to you and me. Who believes that this morning? If you're not sure if you believe it, don't worry. You will. Because if you don't, life will never change. We will never move forward and move in faith and in power that astonishes the king, number one, and number two, releases power to move mountains in our lives. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. That word authority, we'll talk about it more next week. Excusia in the Greek, it means delegated power. Think about this. Delegated power. Power has been released to you and I. The question is, do we know how to use it? And do we use it? In Matthew 28, Jesus said to his disciples just before he went back to the Father, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Alle mag in alle gesag. Gesag is the Afrikaans word we're talking about this morning. Gesag. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and that same authority I now bequeath to you. We have that same authority. When do we get that authority? That moment we become born again. The moment I become a child of God, a son or a daughter of the King, that authority has been placed on the inside of me. That means when I pray, when I speak His words, and I speak with the authority that I believe that I have, the subject has to obey. Amen? Does it make sense this morning? It has to obey. I'm not the captain, I serve the captain. But he's delegated that same authority to me. He's delegated that same authority to you. We just need to be taught that we have it, and we need to be taught how to use it. 
And I grew up in an environment, and this is not talking bad against any church, maybe they didn't have that revelation, but I was only taught in my late 20s that I had this. And I believe if I knew earlier, maybe some things would have looked different. But it doesn't matter when we find out. What only matters is that when we find out, we use it. And we go immediately. We don't have time to reason with the Lord anymore. We don't have time to doubt anymore. We don't have time to wonder anymore. If we see, Lord, your name is power, then we need to believe it and we need to live like we believe it. Amen? Jesus said, that is faith. That is the kind of faith that marvels me, astounds me. When you believe in me, when you believe in my authority, when you believe you have that same authority, and you believe my words are spirit, and they are life. The centurion came into agreement with the word of Jesus. And that's why he could say to Jesus, just speak the word. You don't even have to come here. You don't even have to lay on hands. We believe in laying on hands. But you don't even have to do that. You just have to speak the word. And it will be done. Just think about that. You just have to speak the word. You need to send the word into that area. What is it in our life that is a mountain in front of us? We all have something, I can guarantee us. We all have something we are thinking about when we say, what is that mountain in front of you? It could be a natural mountain. It could be a spiritual mountain. It doesn't matter what kind of mountain. Hallelujah. But the Bible says, Jesus said, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can what? Speak to that mountain. Not ridden here with the mountain, not reason with the mountain, not beg for someone to move the mountain. You speak to the mountain. You and I have the authority, we have the words of Jesus Christ that are power, that are life, to speak to that mountain. I'm telling you, this blew me away again this week. I'm like, Lord, give me any mountain. I am speaking. You know what? I even pulled up. I even pulled up my Bible and I started reading and compiling declarations for us. We are going to declare the word of God over every mountain in our life because mountains has to obey. V is Yai. Who are you, a great mountain? Grace, grace, I speak to you, Zerubbabel said. Grace, grace. Jy sal buig onder die naam van Jesus Christus. Sickness, jy sal buig onder die naam van Jesus Christus because that is the king that we serve. John 1, 1 says, Jesus is the Word, the Word became flesh. In Genesis, the Bible said that God did what? He spoke creation into being. He didn't wish it into being. He didn't do anything. He spoke it into being. His words has power, creative power to change things in the natural around us. Because who knows that the spiritual realm is much more real around us right now than the natural realm. We might just not realize because maybe we're not yet in tune with the spiritual realm as much because we grow up in a world where everything wants us to stay carnal. Everything wants us to focus on our emotions, on our thoughts, on that what we can see and experience with our natural senses. But Jesus said, I am not of this world. I have a different kingdom. In my kingdom, things work opposite to the kingdom of the world. In the world, I need Namibia dollars. In the kingdom, I need faith. 
Víte, jak se vidí mo? Maybe still, when I got saved, because I was so blown away by the fact that I didn't learn any of these things. I didn't know this for most of my life. But I went to Sunday school, I got all the stickers, and I wrote down all the words, the promises of God from the Bible, and I confessed it over myself. I declared it over myself. I spoke about my marriage being blessed before I even met Johannes. I spoke about all sorts of things. In agreement with the word of God, I'm not talking about speaking all sorts of things. Lord, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about agreeing with the word of God. Coming to agreement with what he's already said. With what he is wanting to prophesy over my life. And what am I doing? I am speaking that power into my life. Whether I see it or not. Again, we are in the spiritual realm that we are now going to operate. We're not operating in the natural realm. When I speak to sickness, but my leg is still hurting, I'm not focusing on the leg that's hurting. I'm prophesying to those dry bones to come alive. Because the word of God brings life. It is spirit and life. Jesus' word. So when I speak to that body part, when I speak to this situation, when I speak over my finance, when I speak over my business, when I speak over my struggling marriage, I'm releasing the power of God into that area. It is powerful, church. But I think sometimes we do it once or twice and then we give up because we don't immediately see the results. Amen? And I'm here to bring a word to you this morning that will encourage you to keep going, to keep at it. That's why it's called faith. Keep speaking because it has to bow. Keep speaking because it has to obey when we speak the words of Jesus. What does faith sound like? You know how many times, and I've done this, where people say, oh, I am always going to be sick. Oh, it's the flu season. I say that too. And the Lord's convicting me. No, there's no season where the word of God is not operative and powerful. I can't even on myself to clear me, I mean. In COVID, oh, we had many interesting conversations. 
Oh, die kou wind gaan my kom vat. Nee man, don't speak like that, speak faith. Okay, sometimes people say, oh, you're getting older. You know, this is something else. Someone in my own family kept speaking over me when I was still single and getting to my early 30s and they thought, okay, this is a problem. And they started speaking over me. Every time they saw me, they spoke over me. Jy gaan op die rak sit. And you know what? Something arose on the inside of my heart and I said, I cancel those words in the name of Jesus. You will not speak that over me. Don't allow people to speak unbelief over you. Don't allow people to speak unbelief over your marriage, over your children. If your children are not serving the Lord, you get out that scripture, Joshua 24, 15, and you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what you see today in the natural, you keep prophesying, you keep speaking, because it will change. It will change. Jesus is king. Who's on the throne? And so I'm, I'm in that place where I'm going to start speaking life over this church. I already prophesied over all of these conference tickets. Jess knows. Those at it. I was like, Jy sal verkoop. Elke liewe kaartie sal verkoop. This place will be packed. This church will grow. We've got many prophetic words over this church. And we are going to come into agreement. Whether some Sundays there are 10 people here or 50 people here. This church will grow. This church will be a blessing to the city of Vintu and to Namibia. Because Jesus has called it to be so. Doesn't matter what we see in the natural. You prophesy over your business. Doesn't matter what the economy of the world is like. It doesn't matter. And I even had a conversation this week with someone. And I feel on my heart I need to take that up again. It was a supplier that we bought something from. And she said to me, I think I shared this in the offering last week. And she said to me, the prices have gone up 30%. I said, that cannot be. Can you please double check? And I nearly um, choked on my coffee. And she called me back and she says, unfortunately, it has. She said, everything has gone up 30%. Um, and I said, oh, okay, don't worry. We, don't worry. <laughs> we, can we still order? And she said to me, I am so sorry we have lost all hope. I don't know what to tell you, but there is no hope anymore. She's clearly not a believer. But that was an opportunity for me to say, don't worry. There is always hope. I've got the word of the Lord. And I can speak this, whether you believe it or not, my faith can release that. It doesn't matter what the economy of the world is saying. It doesn't matter if things go up 30%. My God says He will provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory. My job is not to figure out how He's going to do it, although I would love to. <laughs> Who loves to give the Lord uh, suggestions? <laughs> Have you noticed He's not interested? <laughs> What does our faith sound like? We need to speak to this mountain. All of creation, quickly, and then we're going to end. Hebrews 1 verse 3 said, All of creation, the entire physical and spiritual universe, is being upheld by the powerful word of Christ. Think about this for a moment. He's not upholding it with some force. It's His word. God watches over His word to perform in Jeremiah 1.12. The Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. 
Psalm 103 verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His commandments, obey the voice of His word. Joyce Meyer says this, Some of us have angels who are bored because they never hear the word of the Lord out of our mouths. We never speak the word of God. So they have nothing on assignment. <laughs> Last scripture, Isaiah 55 verse 11, and then we're going to pray. This scripture, if you ask Johannes, what is the scripture I quote most? It's probably this. So will my word be, which goes out of my mouth, and it will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And we're going to end with this. You say, Marissa, well, that's great. How does it work? Do I need to memorize the entire Bible? Well, yes, but you can start small. <laughs> How have I seen this work in my life? I'm telling you the fact that I'm standing here bringing the word. If you don't know me, this is a miracle. Ask Johannes when he met me. Anxiety poured out of me like you wouldn't believe. I was so scared, always, of everything. I was so timid. I was so, man, not bold. Anything not bold. But I took the word of God. You know, I never had an experience where someone prayed for me and suddenly, like a thunderstorm, I was out on the floor and then suddenly I got up and I was this bold preacher of faith. No, no, no. I took the word of God and I confessed this over my life. Some days, even three times a day, four times a day. I struggled with fear so intensely. Even with COVID. I was quoting the scripture, we were, I was in bed with COVID, praying for other people and people were getting healed. As we were praying, as we were speaking the word of God over this silly sickness. Sickness will come, but will we push it back with the word of God? Will we push it back with the power that is released in his word? And I want to share just three scriptures and I'm going to, if you're in the WhatsApp group, I'm going to send it. Don't ignore it. I'm not going to hold us hostage. I'm just going to send one PDF. I try to make it small. It's just a starter. I'm going to help you because what keeps us from doing this? Sometimes. It feels like a lot of work to go and Google every scripture and find everything on fear. But I want to encourage you. What is the area that represents the mountain in your life? If it is sickness, go and find every scripture on sickness in the Bible, not on sickness, on healing, in the Bible, type it out, write it out, memorize it, put it on your mirror, put it on your and declare it over yourself. Even if you feel silly, even if you still feel pain, it doesn't matter, keep going. Speak and prophesy to those dry bones and it will come to life. If it's your finance, if it's your marriage, there is a promise for every single area in our life. We just need to activate it. Amen? And I want to show you how easy it is to do. Lauren, pop up the offer was declaration number one. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, and this was my scripture, you can ask Johannes, I knew this thing out of my head. I quoted it a thousand times a minute if I needed to. And I still do sometimes when fear tries to come at me. Fear has got no place in my life. And it may want to come, but I will not give it a foothold in my life because I will not be an unbeliever. I am a believer in Jesus' name. 
So if this, why don't we just say it all together? The yellow part. So you can read with me. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Declaration number two. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. His rod and his staff will comfort me. Number three. I will not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. Instead, I will focus my mind, thoughts, and heart on Jesus, who is my source and provider for all that I need. Does it feel good? Then we do it again, and we do it again, and we do it again. And so I've just done a couple. I've done a few on scriptures to declare over fear and anxiety because I believe that a spirit of fear is trying to come against every single believer in this time. Okay, number two, scriptures to declare over sickness or disease. Scriptures to declare over my finances, over my business. Scriptures to declare as husbands and dads. Scriptures to declare as wives and as moms. Scriptures to declare over ourselves. And there's a couple of them, and I've said in brackets every scripture that I was referencing. So you can look it up, you can add your own, you can do your own. But can I encourage us, church? Let's start speaking and declaring the word of God so we can see some mountains move. Amen? So we can start walking in victory and so we can see things change for the kingdom of God in this city and in this nation and in our families. Amen? Do you believe that is our portion? Do you believe that Jesus died so that we could have authority and His power? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you stand this morning and I'm going to end for us in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that we can be reminded that just like the centurion, we can have faith that astounds you. We can have the kind of faith that you marvel at. And we can be the kind of people that not only believe in your authority as the Messiah, as the King, but we can also be the kind of people that believe that your word has power. And that when we speak the word, when we send the word into our circumstances, it has to obey. And Lord, it's not a place, we know it's not a place of where we want to try and make things happen. No, it's just a place of faith where we release our faith and we come into agreement with what you have already said over us. Your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the plans and you know the purposes that you have for us. Lord, you don't preach a poverty gospel. We preach a powerful gospel because of who you are. And Lord, this morning we want to confess that you are the Messiah. We want to declare that you are the King of Kings. We want to declare that we see, we recognize your authority. And because you have that authority, we declare and believe that that same authority has been given to us. 
And when we come into agreement with that, we come into agreement with your word, and we send that word into our circumstances, it will abide us because of your authority, because of your name. It is not our power, it is not our words, it is yours. And Lord, we take up that mantle this morning. We take up this opportunity to come into that agreement, to be proactive in our faith, to partner with you, but to release and activate our faith so we can see mountains being moved. So we can see the miraculous in our homes. We can see the miraculous in our, in our businesses. We can see the miraculous in our schools, in our communities, in our city around us. Because God has called Namibia. You've not forgotten about us, Lord. In fact, you're only just beginning. You're only just beginning. And so this morning, Lord, we want to declare your goodness. We want to declare your favor. We want to declare your power over this church, every family represented in this church. I want to declare over every business. If you're a business owner this morning, can you just raise your hand? I want to speak open doors over you. I want to speak the favor of God over you. I want to speak prosperity over you for the kingdom of God so that he can receive the glory in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter what the economy of the world says. My God says, my word, the Bible says that he will open doors that no man can shut. So we thank you this morning, Lord. While everyone's eyes are closed, if you have a mountain representing a relationship it could be a marriage it could be children it could be family members maybe someone is not serving the Lord maybe there is strife maybe something is out of the agreement of God's will I want you to just gently raise your hand thank you Lord thank you father that you see every hand in this place right now we declare as for our homes we will serve the Lord I will speak over every marriage this morning. I speak the peace of God over it. I speak blessing over it. I declare God's goodness and God's love into the hearts of people represented in every home in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to speak peace over relationships. I want to speak your favor in terms of people that are struggling with strife. Lord, I pray that you will open up hearts, that you will open up eyes to see and to understand each other. Lord, that you will draw people to one another as you draw us towards your love in the name of Jesus. If there is anyone here and you have a mountain of sickness or you have a family member with a mountain of sickness or disease or even addictions, I felt addictions in my heart as we were worshiping this morning. Someone you know, you can just gently raise your hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This morning, we speak the word of the Lord over dry bones of sickness, over dry bones of disease, over dry bones of addiction, and we call you to life in the name of Jesus. I speak over every pain and I command you to go in Jesus' name. That's how the authority works in the kingdom. I release healing, I declare health, I declare wholeness over everybody, over every mind, over every body part that is represented this morning. Lord, you know who we are praying for and you know what the situations are. But we want to speak and declare your word. Your word says that by your stripes we were healed. Your word says that when you speak the word, healing will come. 
So Lord, we thank you that we can speak that. We thank you that your words are spirit and they are life. And we release it over the lives of people this morning. We declare over this church that this will be a blessed church. This will be a church that will grow. This will be a church that will have impact for the kingdom, not just in families, but in the city and in this nation. Lord, I prophesy over our children's church, it will be the biggest children's church in this city because you are raising up a generation that will move as sons and daughters with strong identity, that will move in signs, wonders and miracles and will prepare a nation for the end times of Jesus Christ returning to earth. We thank you this morning that we can speak that. We thank you that we can declare that. We thank you that you are sending angels on assignment right now for every situation that we've brought under Herod's attention this morning. And Father, I just want to pray a blessing over every single person in this room. Lord, I pray that you will send your angels before them and around them and behind them. Lord, that you will protect them. Lord, that, Father, you will bring us back safely next week. Lord, that you would move among your people in this week as we release our faith and as we believe your words. We thank you so much, Lord, and we bless your name this morning. And we bless every home in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.